Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. It's John chapter 2. We're going to start at uh, verse 24. They should have it on the screen for you. And uh, hey, we got a Got a young person back there on the, on the tech table today for the first time, I think. How's it going? Thanks for helping. Uh, all right, so we're going to test your finger-clicking skills here. Uh, verse 24 says, therefore, um, in other words, in light of these things that he's been talking about, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. Just stop right there for just a minute. He says twice here what you heard from the beginning. Now, he's been talking about that in chapter 2. If you've been with us uh, over the past several months, uh, it takes me a while to get through chapters. But uh, you, you, you remember that John talked about what they had heard from the beginning within this very chapter. What they had heard from the beginning was the command to love one another. So really what John's talking about, the beginning meaning the, the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy that Jesus quoted actually when he was asked, what, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus didn't go to the Ten Commandments. Jesus went to the greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. In other words, with everything. Love God with everything. But then he said, hey, by the way, the second one, you can't just do this. You cannot just love God with everything. It can't be just you and Jesus. Uh, I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way. Because even Jesus was asked for the greatest commandment, and he wouldn't give just one. Because the greatest is nothing without the second one. So these are two legs of the same table. If you have two legs on a, if you have, uh, these are two different, um, uh, this is the front tires and the rear tires, okay? Your car won't go with just the rear tires. It won't go with just the front tires. It needs both of these. And so Jesus said, hey, the first one is love God with everything. But the second one, he said, is connected to it. And it is that you should love people as you love yourself. So you cannot simply say that you love God. And John expresses this earlier. He says, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, then you are lying. You, you, this, that, 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 that's a test of how much you really love God. So people who are too spiritual to serve others are not spiritual at all. <laughs> people who are too spiritual to help the homeless and to help the poor are not spiritual at all. True spirituality, true love for God is seen and demonstrated, not proven by, right? We don't, we don't do stuff for people so that people will know that we love God. But when we really love God, it naturally expresses itself in a love for others. And so, so this is what John is saying. What you heard from the beginning, which all could be summed up in one word, love. Love God, love others. Agape. This is what you heard from the beginning. And John says you need to be careful. Let that abide in you. Actually, the, the original language says make sure to keep it in you. Uh, let that abide sounds kind of passive, but actually this is a command. This is a, in the imperative mood. He says keep love inside of your heart. Do not let love escape out of your heart. And you might say, oh, yeah, okay, well, I got saved. Well, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping love. Let me tell you, it's not easy to keep love in your heart. It's not easy, it's not easy to keep love for God. Because honestly, uh, there's so much sin in the world. There's so much temptation. There's so many distractions. And so you can get on fire for God and you can fall in love with God and you can go through a salvation experience. But if it's not like being saved is, is one thing, but keeping that love inside your heart, keeping that fire is difficult. Keeping love for other people is difficult. Uh, I remember back uh, when I was when I was actively dating, um, <laughs> and I say that because when I was 12 years old, God spoke to me about 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 not dating, about intentionally not dating, and that was unfortunate because I liked girls even at 12. And so God spoke to me about um, holding back from dating until he told me it was time, which he, he, he shared with me that it would be at least through my 20s or, or through, my, through my teen years until I was 20. I don't even need to think about it. Um, and that's tricky. That's, that's tricky. <laughs> Teenagers in the house. That's, 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 that's a difficult commitment. So I made that commitment, though. And then God can, just didn't tell me and, that it was time until I was 23. And so there was a moment in time. It was New Year's Eve. I was walking back to my room after we just watched the ball drop. And God spoke to me very clearly and essentially told me that it was time uh, 
that I could date. So I, you know, began uh, investigating different people that I could date. And um, there was one girl that I thought for sure, she's the one, I've been friends with her for like eight years, uh, and uh, it's going to be great. And so I sent her an email, and I didn't know how to do this dating thing back in the day, because I was inexperienced. So I sent her an email, uh, and I didn't get any response. So anyway, that, that, that was not fun. She says she never got the email. I think she's just being nice, though. Um, anyway, so this is, this is back in 2003. And so I just began just praying about the kind of girl that I would want to marry. And one of the key steps for me was somebody, it had to be somebody who loved people. Because I'm, I knew I was called to the ministry since the time I was 14 years old. God spoke to me about preaching. So I knew that I would be uh, ministering to others. And so you, 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 ministry is a lot tougher when you don't like people. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, some, uh, but, and, 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 and there are some girls which are very attractive, but they don't necessarily like people. And so right there, I had to slice a lot of girls off the list. They just got crossed out because they just didn't have patience for people or they just weren't loving or they weren't kind. So this was like a key thing for me. Like she has to love people. And so, and so I found a girl um, at my Bible college that, uh, that really did love people. And, and we dated. Actually, she's in ministry right now. Um, it's not Rowena. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's another girl of another strange name. I guess I had a thing with weird names. But anyway, so we dated for about six months. And what I found, though, is that one of the key reasons back then that this girl was so kind was that she was quite ignorant. And this is what I mean. You can go into life loving people. But when people hurt you, the question is, do you still love them? Because there's a lot of people that have a love for people because it's based in more ignorance than it is actual benevolence. And so the question is not, uh, do you like people? The question is, are you able to stick with, are you able to keep love in your heart even when people don't respond in kind, even when people aren't necessarily loving back to you. And so uh, that particular girl has actually gone through a great growth process. She's in ministry now. She's leading a church, uh, her and her husband, uh, but she's like the lead pastor. And it's kind of cool. They're, they're up in Ohio and I check them out online and stuff and, and they're doing well. But at the time, I just realized that just because somebody's nice to people doesn't mean they've learned how to keep love in their heart. They, and just because somebody is saved and they love God doesn't mean they've learned how to keep love for God in their heart. And this is what uh, uh, Jesus said. I think it was Matthew 24. He said, and you don't have this on the screen, but I, he, said, he said that in the last days, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many would grow cold. In other words, there is a correspondence between the wickedness around you and the warmth of the love within you. It really is. Jesus said because uh, the increase, because wickedness is going to become so common, people are going to call evil good and good evil because, because society is going to become so sinful that the love of many who otherwise had a love for God, who otherwise were on fire for God, but because of the, the, the coldness of their environment, the love for God within them started to grow cold. And this is, this, is a, this is a telling sign of the last days, but it's also a warning for us that, that yes, okay, it is more difficult to maintain a love for God when, you're, when all of your friends do not have a love for God. <laughs> it's more difficult to maintain the fire of God when all of your associates and people you hang out with and on your news feed and uh, that you hang out with after work and you go out with on Friday nights when they don't love God. And Jesus said, look, it's, it's actually because of that, because the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. It's not easy to, this, this commandment right here is not easy. Let that abide in you. Keep it in you through the increase of wickedness, yes. Through the, 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 the hard times that you go through, yes. Sometimes it's not even what's out there that causes our love to grow cold. It's what the disappointments are in here that we thought God was going to do and that we felt like he was going to be there and we felt like we prayed about that, right? And it didn't happen and, uh, and it's so on and so, so many things. Or, or it, it, sometimes it's, it's, it's actual Christian people who we believed in and our Christian leaders or our pastors or Ravi Zacharias or whoever it may be or the, the Hillsong guy, Carl Lentz, or whoever you might be looking to, they might let you down. And the love of many can grow cold through disappointment in God, disappointment in others, disappointment in myself. 
I thought I was stronger than that. I must have not had a real love for God. I thought I, I, was, I, was, I was more sturdy than that. I'm, I, guess I, I guess I don't really have a love for God. And if the enemy can get you to deny a thing, then it's, it's basically, it's, since it's received by faith, if faith leaves, then the love also leaves. And so he's constantly attacking the faith that would hold on to the love for God in your heart. And this is key actually to chapter 2 because he talked earlier about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now these things, whoever is controlled by these things does not have the love of God in them. So this is, this is a, key, a key piece. He says you need to keep the love of God in your heart. So let's, let's go on to the next verse if we're ready here in verse 25. It says, and this is the promise that he has promised us. In other words, if you keep love in your heart for God and for others, this is what we're looking forward to. Uh, you're going to get a new car, and it's going to be awesome. You're going to get a promotion at your job, unexpected checks in the mail. Um, <laughs> uh, you're going to be the head and not the tail. Um, oh, no, hold on. <laughs> what he has promised us, <laughs> what he, I, I'm teasing now, but what he has promised us is eternal life. Now, there are benefits, right? There are blessings. There are increase. There are raises. There are nice cars. There are things that God blesses us with. But the thing that we hold on to and we place our faith in has nothing to do with 2021 or an American culture or the clothes that you're wearing or the particular shoes that you got for your birthday. I'm not saying I got these for my birthday, but I'm just saying that uh, I'm just saying it has nothing to do with that. And, and, And in fact, the source of our disappointments are all summed up in stuff like this. All of the stuff that threatens our faith, that causes our, our love to grow cold, has nothing to do with eternal life, has everything to do with temporal things, time-sensitive things. This is why John says, look, let me just remind you of the promise. The promise has nothing to do with this life, but rather has something to do with eternal life. And so this is why our hope is laid up in heaven. This is why our hope is not on this earth. This is why our hope is not in what we wear or how we're perceived or how we're treated down here or how faithful people are to God or to us. Our hope is eternal life, that we are going to spend eternity in heaven. And this is our great hope. This is our promise. He says in verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. These things I've written to you concerning those who who have tried to deceive you. In other words, he's making a contrast. The people who are trying to deceive them actually did have the love of God in their heart at some point. They did have a love for other people at some point. But it grew cold. And their faith was replaced. This is why earlier in in chapter 2, he talks about an antichrist. And the word anti doesn't mean against. It means to replace or to swap out Christ. And so many people have such, actually, such compassion for others that they feel that the Christ who is is a bit too offensive for them. And so they, based on their, their love for others, they, they swap out who Jesus really is. And they lose their love for God because they fall in love with the people they're supposed to be pastoring. <laughs> Never fall in love with the people you're supposed to be pastoring. Uh, you love one person, you marry her for life, but everybody else... You, you pastor them. You lead them to water. You lead them to truth. But you never, make, you never fall in love with them. Because if you fall in love with their approval and with their applause and with their attendance and with their tithe, and with, if you fall in love with them, you will lose your love for God. Because this thing it has to be about God first. And only when you love God with everything can you actually even love people truly. (laughs) So you don't actually, you're not not actually loving people if you tell them that their sin is okay. That's not love. That's, 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 That's lying. And he says, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. They didn't start off. They're not, they're not actively trying to deceive you. They're not evil like that. They're not like, man, if I can just get them to believe this lie. (laughs) Like that's not, they don't do evil laugh. They're not, they're not into that. They themselves have lost the love for God and because of that have, are unable to love others. And now they themselves are teaching what they believe to be true. 
dogmatically, uh, uh, emphatically teaching what they believe to be true, but they've lost the love of God. And so because of that, he said, I'm writing to you uh, these things concerning those who are trying to deceive you. But if we go to the, on to next to verse 27, he says, but, and that's in contrast, the people reading this letter, he says, but you are not like them, but the anointing which you have received from him, from Jesus, abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. We're going to leave that verse up. That's the rest of my message today. That's it, that we have an anointing, that we have an anointing. And this, this word anointing is interesting. Earlier in the chapter, chapter two, we looked at the word that's translated in English anointing, which is actually the word energia, and it means an energy. It says you have an energy of the spirit. And, and so really, uh, this is a journey I've been on where I'm just uncovering this idea of God's energy in scripture. And it sounds kind of new age and weird, um, but it's not new age. It's God's spirit active, activated inside of us, which is different though than this word. This word right here that says you have an anointing is not the same word. It's translated the same in English, but it is different. So uh, earlier in the chapter, John is talking about a stirring inside of your soul. An inspiration, if you will. Uh, Last week, we talked about from the Easter story, did not our hearts burn within us? Right? That's what I'm talking about. It's It's a burning inside of us. And it's one way that God reveals his spirit to us. It's one way that God leads us and directs us. It's one way that God guards us from false teaching. This, this burning inside of us. It's inspiration, not just revelation. So a lot of preaching is revelation. But if you don't have inspiration, if something isn't happening inside of you, then honestly, you're just learning something in your head and it's not really getting down to your heart. So you must have a stirring and God's been stirring. Uh, God has definitely been stirring. It's been awesome to see uh, just, and that's why I, that's why I, I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with having a shorter worship service in the front because maybe we'll have more prayer time here at the end because God is stirring in people. And as people come forward and pray, and it's nothing about coming forward and it's nothing about uh, anybody laying hands on anybody, but it's about what God is doing. sometimes I'm just preaching and I'll notice somebody just starts sensing the stirring of the Holy Spirit and they just start crying in the back and I'm not getting louder or more um, uh, inspirational than I, than I, I mean, how could you get more inspirational? So I'm not like, you know, I'm already there and uh, it's not, it's not getting any better necessarily. Just kidding. But, but God's moving. It's not me moving. It's not me touching, pushing, pulling buttons. It's it's him moving. And he's using the word and he's using revelation, but it goes beyond that. The, the, the men on the road to Emmaus, they did not remember necessarily what Jesus said as much as they remembered how Jesus made them feel. That did not our hearts burn within us. And that was the confirmation. That was the confirmation. As, as he opened to us the scriptures, didn't our hearts burn? And so, and so there is a stirring of the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you're open to that and receptive to that, and I pray that, that you are. And, and over the past, even especially the past few weeks, um, prior to Easter, there was, there was just a, a stirring happening, and people were, were crying in the back, some rather loudly, and praying in tongues, and some really cool things happening. And so I'm, I'm open to that, and I'm praying for God to move like that, because what happens is, if we only have revelation, we don't have inspiration, His love will not stay within us. It doesn't stay within us by revelation. You can receive it by revelation, but you must activate it by faith. And faith is not merely understood. It is also felt. It is also received in a stirring. But this word here, he says, you have an anointing. So the question is, how how do I get the love of God to abide in me? How do I get it to stick? Well, it's the anointing. Verse 27, this is God's uh, uh, prescription for getting the, the love of God to stay within you. In other words, to be truly, um, uh, cleanliness or cleansing is not just about removing contaminants. God doesn't just want to get sin out of your life. Sometimes I, I think we have a moralistic view of God where God is here to remove all of the bad stuff, just get it all out. And we spend an entire lifetime 
of going to church, learning more bad stuff that we're doing so that we can get more bad stuff out. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want to remove contaminants. Certainly he does. The angel's message to Mary said, you'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Absolutely. But that is the start of what God wants to do. Notice John does not say, hey, make sure to get all sin out of your life and keep it all out. (laughs) No, he says, keep the love of God in. So therefore, holiness is not just about extracting and removing things. It is also about adding something. So it's about bringing something in that was not there before. It's about impartation of something, to impart, to receive something. And so uh, a great example is, many of you know, two years ago, I got my dream car, and I grew up dreaming about this car. You've heard lots of sermons on it. Um, But anyway, so I'm not going to bore you with it. But uh, I've never had to take care of a nice car before. I don't know if you've seen what I normally drive, but you can tell. I do not know how to take care of, like, regular cars. Um, I, 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 my first car I ever got when I was 19, it was a Saturn um, SE. It was a 1993 Saturn. It's the plastic body kind. You could kick it and it would go in and bounce back out. It was great. Um, and it was super easy. I would drive through a car wash once a week and just kind of spray it down. And that to me was taking care of my car. And so then I got, so, and then and since then it's just gone downhill because then we've got kids and I got married and who has time to drive through a car wash, right? And so I, I, I take even less less care. I mean, I get oil changes. That's what I do. That's what I know to do. I drive to the place and they change my oil for me. But I don't work on cars. I don't clean cars. I don't do anything. And so when I got this, this, this new car, I was so inspired by when you have your dream car and you love it, you're like, man, I'm going to wash this thing myself. And so the very first day I got it, I got the kids out there. We got brushes, which I now know not to use. But anyway, we got brushes and we got soap, which I now know is a little sketchy too. And uh, they had like wax in it and whatever. And I was like, oh, that looks good. It's at Walmart. And so we get a hose and we start scrubbing and blah, blah, blah. And then we rinse it off. And then I take her out on a date that, that first day. And I come back the next day and there's all these little spots all over the car. It's a black car. And there's all these spots. And I'm like, what are these spots? And I was talking to somebody in the church and they're like, oh, those are water spots, water stains. Who knew water could attack your car? Like, I've had cars all my life. I didn't know water attacked it. I guess I just never cared. (laughs) I never noticed. It's too much dirt for the water to attack it. The dirt repels the water. And so now I actually have a car that doesn't have a bunch of dirt on it. And it's like, these water spots. Oh, that's annoying. It was from me, from me washing it. I washed it and made it worse. And so anyway, I've slowly been learning about other kind of car cleaners like waterless ones and not do it in the sun and different things that I'm figuring out. And, And yet still here in Texas, if you have a black car and it's perfectly washed and it's scrubbed and you've, you got you got down your hands and knees you clean the whole thing and then you pull it out of this this parking spot right here you didn't know that but that's a parking spot right there you pull it out of this parking spot immediately the pollen that's in the air it's just it just sticks to it so now you have a yellow car. you had a black car but now you have a yellowish black car and it's very frustrating <laughs> it's like, man, I spent all this time wiping this thing down. And now, so, so as you can tell, I have a rough life. I have many hard, difficult trials through many toils and snares. I have already come to his grace that brought me safe this far. So um, I'm thankful that while I suffer for the Lord here, um, you know, I can pray for those in China and, and different places that, that I, I can share with them and their, their burn. Just kidding. Uh, so it, this is the thing, though. It's a slight annoyance. And, and so I began reading up about something called waxing. You know about waxing, right? And then there's other stuff like a ceramic coat. Wax hun, wax hoff, exactly. Well, this, this, this helps tremendously. So I saved up. I, I did some extra work up in Michigan, saved up some money. And over Christmas, I was able to get a ceramic coat um, on on my dream car. So I took it to a guy, he buffed it down, where you break down the, the clear coat on the outside just enough to insert this nanotechnology ceramic coat, which is like a very thin, clear, extra um, clear coat. Because it's a 22-year-old car. This is the only way I can afford a dream car is if it's really old. So, um, so the paint's not great. And so he puts on this extra layer on there. And so I, I have learned that cleanliness is just not just about wiping things off. 
in rinsing things off and entering into church and getting, you know, hosed down with the word. If that's all that happens, you're going to walk out these doors and literally pollen's just going to... I know I'm comparing you to a car, but it's a nice car, so it's a compliment. You're going to walk out these doors, and, and bad attitudes are just going to whoo, and reactions to your kids are just going to whoo, and your spouse is going to say something or not say something or say something by not saying something. <laughs> Those of you that are married know what I'm talking about. Uh, and, or, or you're going to have a dream that he's cheating on you. And, uh, and just, apparently that's a bad thing. I didn't know I was responsible for my wife's dreams, but I am, and I fully apologize. I have apologized many times for the things I have done and said in her dreams. And, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to dream about something, you're going to see something, and it, boom. And, and, and literally, you're going to have to come again next week. We're going to have to hose you off. <laughs> With the word, and then you're going to go out, and, 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 and then you're going to be scrolling on Facebook, and then you're going to see some knucklehead post something about their favorite candidate who's not even running anymore, but apparently it's still news. And so we're going to be watching all the things, or people who might run or will run, or blah, 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 and you get into all these arguments online, and boom, and all this. And, and, and what happens is you forget all about eternal life. And the love of the Father seeps out. It doesn't rush out. It doesn't, doesn't fly out of you. It's like a small leak in your tire. It's just, it's just so subtle that it's growing colder and colder. And what I've noticed is some Christians, like, that's their life. They're like, I got to get back to church because I got to get hosed off. And I have to get rinsed off. But did you know there is more for you than just, just the washing of the word? There is a waxing of the Holy Spirit. There's a ceramic coat of the Holy Spirit. There is a, a more permanent, there is, well, that's, that's what the word anointing means. It means to smear on something. It means to lather on something. So he says, look, you've been washed by the word, but now you must be smeared by the anointing of the Holy Spirit if you want to keep the love of God inside of you. And so it's, it's good for cars, but it's even better for a spiritual life that you would be anointed or baptized in the Holy Spirit. We must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you want to keep the love of God inside of you, there must be more than just removal of contaminants. There must be an application or a smearing. He says, you have received a smearing from him, and that smearing abides in you. It sticks, unlike the wash where it just removes things. Now God has, has ceramic coated you and placed, smeared something on you that stays. Which is why uh, the anointing is often symbolized by oil. Because in the Old Testament, I don't know if you've, if you've ever poured oil on yourself, <laughs> but if you ever do, it doesn't just come off. Because it's resistant to water. It's resistant to a lot of things. And that's the idea. The Holy Spirit isn't just a wash down or a hose down while you're experiencing an emotional experience in church. The Holy Spirit is not just shouting and rolling on the floor and then getting up and walking out the same. The Holy Spirit is a smearing or it's an anointing that, that sticks with you. It's a coating that, that sticks on your soul. And because the Holy Spirit abides in you, you don't need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you because it sticks with you. Because I can, I can, I can bring a sermon today and I can, I can teach you about something from the Word of God, but chances are what I'm teaching is not specifically applicable to your life. Because as I look out here, you know, there's, there's, a, new, there's a new grandma that, that came in and uh, she's going through that. And Becky, I think, is doing pretty well. And uh, Becky is hopefully watching online, just had a baby. Uh, there's other people that lost their job this week. There's other people that quit their jobs in City Chapel because they, they, shady stuff was going down. There's other people that were baptized this week that are on, on, on like the top of the world and they've been, they're, they're, they're on fire for God. There's other people that are ready to quit. There's other people that are they're dealing with divorce. There's other people that are dealing with the prospect of divorce. There's other people that have been divorced for several years. and, and deal, like, like as I look at there's people dealing with, with age issues. I'm not going to look in any direction. There's, there's, people, looking, uh, there's people dealing with, with health issues. All right. It's, I intentionally, 
I, was, <laughs> I wasn't looking at JT on purpose. I was just trying to look away from other things. Because uh, he's actually not old. But anyway, uh, I'm just, I'm sticking, stand up for JT. Especially in the all black suit and everything. Looking good. Looking good, brother. Uh, but the, the plethora of experiences. People dealing with different races within this room. And the way those races interact among our community. And the stuff they face that I don't face. Right? And so we're, all of us have different experiences. So you don't need a, a Pastor Harry to teach you. You need an anointing to teach you. Because the anointing sticks with you after, yeah, I can open up the word of God to you, but how is this going to be applicable to your life? What does this mean for your husband or your wife or your kids or your job or your future or your attitude? Like I can share from my experience and I can share what what I've learned. I can open it up like Jesus said that a good teacher brings out treasures, right, old and new and, and brings them out. But what you do with it. How you spend that treasure, how you invest that treasure, that's up to you. And that's where you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I personally have been studying this this week. It was so weird that this passage would come up within our first John. It's, it's God ordained in what he's doing, not just, not just in my heart, because I'm also seeking something greater. I'm also seeking something more. I'm also desiring for more of God. And, and at the same time, I see other people within our body desiring more of God. And I see other people coming to me for prayer desiring more of God. And I see other people experiencing more of God, right? Rosemary, Wednesday night, was, was baptized in water, which was great. And um, she'd reached out to me a couple months ago. Yeah, that's, that's, that's an exciting thing. That's a good thing. We celebrated that Wednesday night. We, we, we prayed over her, dunked her, and, um, and, and she came up from the water. And, and immediately what I sensed to pray is that she wouldn't just be baptized in water, but that she would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because once again, water dries off. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, is a, it's an oil, it's a smearing that, 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 that coats us, that covers us. And so I began praying for that. And I didn't say anything to her necessarily except just that prayer. I don't know if she heard me praying, but just that prayer. And so then later on that night, like it was dark and people were sitting around talking. And I guess uh, Deborah felt led to go up and, and talk to her and ask her if she's ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she said she hasn't, but she's been praying for that for, for, for a while. And so Deborah prayed with her. And I don't know the specifics of the prayer. I didn't, I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't even, like, I was over uh, talking to somebody else about highly spiritual things, of course. And, 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 and Deborah prayed over her, and she began speaking in tongues. Uh, Rosemary, you know, experienced something. And I, I don't want to say what her experience was. I'll let her share that. But I do know that there was this outward evidence, this outward sign that God was working inside of her. And so just, just, just so you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're a regular at City Chapel, I don't speak about speaking in tongues very often. I've never, I don't think, ever done a sermon series on it, actually. Uh, I don't even know if I've done an actual sermon on speaking in tongues, which is odd to me as I think about it. Um, because speaking in tongues is in Scripture. It's throughout, especially the book of Acts, the history of the early church. It's happening throughout the book of Acts. It's happening, actually, throughout the epistles as well. Paul is writing about this. And this is something, yeah, praying the, praying in the Spirit or praying in an unknown tongue, I think King James says, or praying in other tongues technically is the, the, the original language. And I believe that God has this for each and every one of us, that there is a gift also of praying in tongues, which is different. There's a gift and, and then there's a grace. There's a, there's, a, there, there's a gift of praying in tongues and interpretation of tongues that, that's listed in the epistles. And so actually, I can't even dive into all of it this morning. Um, like we, we didn't, we, we sang too long. So I'm sorry. We had two, it's the worship team just went to carry it on. Uh, but, but, but no, seriously, what, so what I'm thinking, and this is just, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm thinking on Wednesday nights, we have pursuit nights. I want to bring a little teaching, um, this Wednesday night. I'll just some of the things I've been learning and digging into when it comes to speaking in tongues and having a prayer language or praying in the spirit. Um, and that's also when we'll break out the snakes and uh, it'll be great. And 
Just kidding. Kidding again. Joking. Totally joking. Uh, but no, seriously, it doesn't have to be like that. We're not a part of a denomination that demands I teach on this. Obviously, we're not a part of a denomination that gets weird about it. We're not part of a denomination at all. Uh, we, we just believe in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, I believe it's for us, if it is for Christians. And as I'm reading this, I'm telling you, there is a smearing that I don't know that everybody has experienced in City Chapel. Like, I really don't think everybody's experienced an immersion or a baptism in the Holy Spirit. My personal experience growing up, I was taught a lot about about holiness. And so as I grew up, uh, the end game for everything was holiness, which does include a lot of extracting things, which I touched on earlier, because that was the key. That was the big deal. Uh, And certainly the Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness, and he always... He always purifies and cleanses. He always deals with sin. But the way in which he does it, I was taught that you, that you needed to just invite the Holy Spirit in uh, and, and to fill you in such a way that he removes sin and that he brings in perfect love for God. So that's the experience I was seeking. Uh, I wasn't taught much on speaking in tongues, even though I believed in it because it was in the Bible, Acts, uh, the second chapter, actually, uh, when the Holy Spirit first falls on the church. There, uh, all of the believers who are in the upper room, there's, a, there's a, a thing of fire over their head, and then they start speaking in other languages that they don't know. And they're, they're edifying and glorifying God in these languages. You can, you can look it up if you want. And then there are other people in that town. These, these guys were also apparently very loud because other people overheard them. They weren't just praying like this. They were loud and they didn't have speakers or microphones. And other people in the town walking down the street heard them and they heard them in their own language. So God used this, this prayer language. They were just glorifying God. They didn't know what they were saying. They were just worshiping God in this unknown to them tongue but it was known to somebody else and so people gathered around them and they said wait we hear them glorifying God in our language and then he's talking in my language and he's talking because people were there from all over the world the Jews were coming um, for the celebration of the day of Pentecost and and they had been dispersed throughout different regions of the world and so they heard them speaking in the language they grew up hearing and God used that to convince them that this was not just a random this wasn't just a prayer meeting this was God moving And that's when Peter stood up and brought revelation to that and shared with them about who Jesus was. And then 3,000 of them were saved on that day. So God clearly from the very beginning of his church has been using the gift and the grace of speaking in an unknown tongue to you or to me. I say it's unknown to me because there's a bazillion different languages in the world. And who knows what exactly people are speaking. And honestly, who really cares? Because it's not about that. It's about your spirit communing with God. The question is, do you want a deeper love of God in your heart? That's the, that's the key. And so as I was 14 years old, I began really, I, I, I wanted to get all the sin out of my heart. And I found out that some of it was stuck in there pretty good. <laughs> At 14, you figure this out. And so, and so I began seeking an experience that I just, I called uh, uh, the second work of grace. I called sanctification uh, based on stuff that I had read. And as I was seeking that one Sunday, actually October 2nd, um, 1994, I was 14. We had a, uh, uh, we had a small church. We met in a, um, uh, 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 the YMCA, that's it. We met, I was trying to think of the exact thing, YMCA. Yeah, we met, in the y, we, we met at the Y, and um, we, every Sunday we helped uh, set up the church. So we had a pulpit, and then we had a piano, and that was all uh, for the worship team. And then we had an altar, and it was an altar kind of like this. Actually, it was like a wooden like, frame that somebody, the guy in the church had built. And I remember it was painted white, and I, and I came forward after the message because it was my habit every Sunday because our pastor would always open the front to come pray. I I figured every sermon applied to me in some way. So I was like, I'm going to go down and pray, you know, because I need to repent of something. And so I was down there and I was praying and uh, 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 my, uh, my pastor's dad was behind me. He was praying, uh, just putting his hand on my back and, and my pastor was just knelt down in front of me. And ne- neither one of them were speaking in tongues because I don't know that they ever, I don't know that I ever heard them speaking in tongues. Um, they, they believed in it. I don't remember. It, it wasn't a focus of the church. It wasn't like everybody was just uh, doing it all the time. And so, um, so my, 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 my pastor asked me, he said, Harry, do you believe that 
that God can take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh is what Ezekiel claimed. Um, and that's what I wanted, right? I wanted a new heart. I wanted the love of God. And um, I said yes. And when I said yes, it was a different yes than just a yes from up here. It was a yes coming from in here. And as soon as I said yes, I felt just this, it was like a giant faucet turned on over my head. And I hadn't read about that. I didn't, I, I didn't know these things happened. But immediately just this immense warmth just started at my head and just ran down my entire body, like a feeling. And I know we don't go by feelings, but that's what I felt. And, 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 it, was, and it, it, like, it was like overwhelming. And so I began just kind of weeping because that's what happens to me when I, when I sense the Holy Spirit. And then I just, I, I wasn't talking to the pastor. I wasn't talking to anybody. I, my, head was, my head was in my, my hands and I was just, I began praying in tongues. And nobody said, hey, so I'm try saying this three times really fast. And it wasn't, it wasn't any of that nonsense. And it wasn't even like nobody was grabbing my head and shaking it. Like nobody was tripping me or uh, trying to get me to fall down. Like there wasn't any weirdness going on. It was no, it's no man-made stuff. It was just the Holy Spirit just coming on me. And I began praying and I, I felt led to just say stuff I didn't know what it meant. And I, like that's the best way I can explain it. And, um, and, I, and I walked away from that, right? I st- afterward, I, st- I don't know how long I was there, but I stood up, went back to my seat, sat down, and people were still like singing, and uh, the pastor's wife was playing on the piano, and, and I sat down, and that's when God spoke to me and said, Harry, will you preach for me? And I knew he was talking about like for the rest of my life, and I was scared to death to like stand up and share a testimony, because in my church, they used to have those testimony times, right, which was preaching practice for everybody who always wanted to be a preacher <laughs> and uh but I hated it I was like I'm not standing up and sharing something why the heck would I want the people to look at me I'll say something stupid I don't ever have anything good to say and uh, but God spoke to me I'm 14 he said Harry will you preach for me and and because of what had just happened and because of the immense love of God in my heart like this is this is the thing obedience is supposed to be easy I don't know if that makes sense to you because it ha- probably hasn't been your experience. But it really is. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke, right? That's, the, that's the, like, like the oxen. They put the yoke in. This is an easy thing. It's an easy thing to walk with God. And for many of us, it's not easy because we don't have the oil of the Holy Spirit on us. You try running, once again, a, a car or an engine without oil. It no longer moves easily. The gears clash against each other where they're supposed to cooperate with each other. And the same is, yeah, and your car will die. Don't try it. But the same is true with our spiritual life. Without the oil of the Holy Spirit, things which are supposed to complement each other end up clashing with each other. People who are supposed to complement each other end up clashing with each other. My wife, I don't understand her at all. She's the exact opposite of me. Yeah, that's the point. Things that are supposed to complement each other, without oil, without the presence of the Holy Spirit, they end up clashing. This is why uh, David says in, in his psalm, the famous one about the Lord is my shepherd, he said, he anoints my head with oil. Right? He anoints as a sheep. The shepherd is anointing the head with oil. And so the oil, it does a number of things. It heals old wounds. And that's the thing. It's supposed to be, forgiveness is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be gut-wrenchingly painful and excruciatingly laborious. That's that's without oil. That's with getting hosed off and going out on your own strength and trying to forgive that person who hurts you. But he said, he anoints my head. Jesus is the anointer. Your shepherd is the anointer, and so he anoints our head with oil. And the reason why you would uh, heal, because it heals, it it brings healing. And notice he anoints the head. He doesn't doesn't anoint the rest. Because because the head is is where everything takes place. The head is 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 the control center of the body. And so he wants to anoint the head. Plus, the head is the thing which is which is visible. So the sheep would come up to the shepherd head first. They don't walk backwards. I don't know if you know this. He'll only anoint what you bring to him. He'll only anoint what you, re- what you reveal to him. He'll only heal what you expose. Right? And so he, he puts oil on the head of the sheep, 
Because that's where the wounds are. And the way sheep get wounds in their head, they get it from wandering because they, they can't see very well. So they'll run into uh, bushes and stuff, rocks and whatnot. They get it from wandering, but they also get it from community. Because when sheep fight, they fight with their heads. They butt heads. That's where the term comes from. They, they clash their heads. And so, so the, the healing has to happen from your wandering, but also from your clashes, from your community. And he heals that. But then the oil stays on the sheep. And he anoints the head because now when the sheep is in community and if the sheep butts heads with somebody, it'll be more likely to glance off instead of wound. Opposites can be complementary instead of conflicting. This is why the Holy Spirit, the first thing he did with this group of people that he wanted to turn into a church is he poured out the oil of the Holy Spirit because otherwise they would kill each other. Because <laughs> every church will, without the Holy Spirit, will turn on themselves. And if you've been in church for very long, you've seen it happen. With the oil, the Holy Spirit goes out and flesh takes over. And people who are good people, who desire good things, who want good things, they cannot operate together because they keep hurting each other accidentally. They just keep running into each other. And with zeal and with, and with uh, emphatic force and with all the gusto and the goodness in the world, they need the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit. City Chapel needs a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need every member, whatever your theology, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal or Bapticostal or whatever, like it, whatever, wherever you come from, it's not, it's not, it's not a question of like what's on the, the sign on the road. It's a question of what's in the word. And if it's in the word, I believe it's for you. And if you, if you haven't experienced it. Now, for me, I experienced it at age 14. And then ever since then, at times, I would just enter into prayer. And I would feel like God wanted me to pray in, in, in this language. And so I would pray in the language. But honestly, over, over time, I then went to a Bible college that forbid it. They forbid it even talking about speaking in tongues. They said it was demonic. They said it was like the devil. Like, and uh, yeah, and so I, I really held back a lot. So as not to offend people, right? Because I didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't really want to get kicked out of the college. And so what happens is if you, if you don't practice it, if, you don't, if, if, if you're not constantly being refilled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. it, can, it can seep out. And, I, and it's still be a good Christian. You can still love Jesus. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't make you super Christian, doesn't make you any better than anybody else. And not speaking in tongues doesn't make you a second-class Christian. Those people that I went to Bible college with, they love God. And my professors loved God, and they loved people. And they had a certain amount of the Holy Spirit in them because they were saved. They just, they just rejected a lot of the silliness, really, of speaking in tongues that they had seen. And they said, that's silly. We don't want anything to do with that. And so they just cut bits out of their Bible and said, oh, that for another time, I guess. We'll figure that out later. We just don't want to be thought of as weird. And the truth is, like, people, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and weird, they were weird before they were filled. It's just, I'm telling you, they were weird. Like, there are people, like, <laughs> you're like, I don't know, that. can he say that? Yes. You, like, I have family. You have family. There's always that one cousin at every wedding on her eighth trip to the bar, right? And it's like, she's like, that's who she is. Like I said, that's how she wrote. She's weird. She's not saved at all. She doesn't know anything about the Holy Spirit, and she's really weird. And she's just expressive about her weirdness. And she just wants everybody, like, and it's like everybody, like every family, like, you, you know people, if you don't think, like, go to, go to 6th Street at some given Saturday night at midnight, you're going to find some weird people. And you can't blame it on God. <laughs> That's Budweiser, man. Budweiser makes people weird. Well, I don't know, I'm not sticking away from Budweiser then. You know, I mean, it's, so it's, it's, it's about the individual. So there are some people that are just kind of weird, and they get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and they just stay weird. And it's fine. God loves weird people. Weird people can go to heaven. 
<laughs> they can. There could be weird people in heaven. It's fine. Jesus died for weird people. You're a little weird too. Like, let's be honest. You're not entirely normal. Like, normal is the combination of all of our weirdnesses coming together. Like, we're all a little off in different ways. Uh, get us in the right situation with the right, right t- topic of conversation. And we're going to find everybody's a little bit off. My wife, for instance, she has never stubbed her baby toe. Exactly. Weird. She has stubs, she stubs her big toe. That is a normal thing for like three individuals in this room. I tell you, if we take a poll, most people stub their outside baby toe because it's on the outside of their foot, but not row. She just walks into stuff. But before she walks into it, her toe catches it. We were having this conversation. We've been married 15 years. We were having this conversation the other night. And, and, and it was so funny because every time somebody says, I stub my toe, I imagine, they don't say it, I imagine it's a baby toe. Every time she imagines it, she's like, oh, I thought they stubbed their big toe. And I'm like, why would they stub their big toe? Who stubs their big toe? She's like, I stub my big toe all the time. And I'm like, you are weird. So that's a short example of weirdness. And, and we can have this conversation. We can go on and on and on. I'm telling you, like, all of us, some of you stub your big toe, and that's just weird. Um, I'm weird in other areas. Uh, we were talking about one last night, which we need to put on Facebook to see what. But the Holy Spirit doesn't make anybody weird. Speaking in tongues doesn't make anybody. If you're not weird before, you're not going to be weird after. <laughs> it's not. He's not going to make you. God isn't into making people spectacles. He doesn't want the emphasis to be on you. (laughs) He doesn't want people to see you anyway. It's not about you. So even like a couple weeks ago, we were here and someone was in the back was praying in tongues very loudly during prayer. And it was great because the emphasis wasn't on her. (laughs) Because nobody was like, oh, what's she doing? No, the emphasis was on what the Holy Spirit was doing. So it always, speaking in tongues always edifies Jesus. It always gets the focus on Jesus. And if you're a part of something that gets the focus on people, then that's not from God. That's not what God wants. And so, yeah, I'm going to do a teaching Wednesday night on this. But just real quick, just as as an introduction, turn to Acts 19. And we do have this actually um, on the screen. And I just want to read just one of several stories in Scripture uh, that that really does explain a little bit about what we're talking about. So Acts 19, verses 1 through 6. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Look at that. That's his main question. He finds disciples, believers, people who love Jesus, people who believe in Jesus. And his question is, have you leveled up yet? Yeah. <laughs> His question is not, man, isn't it great being saved? Isn't it wonderful? Don't you just love the blood? Because <laughs> he wasn't looking for to take up an offering or to, get, or to get shouted down. He was looking to mature the believers. And for him, the next step was, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, obviously, the, there's the working of the Holy Spirit in every believer to some level. But now he's asking something different. He's asking a different question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard of the Holy Spirit, whether there even is a Holy Spirit. These these people are Christians, but they don't even know about the third person of the Trinity. We say third person. That's just, they don't actually have numbers. Um, It's not thing one and thing two, all right? It is God. But they, a whole facet of God is not even in their mind. Imagine a whole dimension of God that you haven't even heard of yet. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a religious experience. I'm not talking about an emotional experience. I'm talking about a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you know this dimension of God? Do you know this element of God? Because if you, Jesus didn't just come to forgive you of your sins. He came to wash you and to wax you and to baptize. Jesus is the baptizer. John said of Jesus, and I think it was Matthew 25, not sure about that, but he said, look, this man of Jesus, he says, 
I'm not even worthy to loosen his sandals because I'm baptizing you with water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And he wasn't just writing to Pentecostals. (laughs) He was writing to everyone who will believe. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so salvation, absolutely. But then Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. The, well, the quote, to quote David Crowder, I know a ghost. <laughs> and he says, well, into what then were you baptized? So they said we were baptized in John's baptism. Uh, Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. That leads to salvation, saying to the people that they should believe on him, not on John, but believe on him who would come after him. So this is what salvation is, to believe in Jesus, right? That they, 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 this was repentance. Turn away from your sin, believe in Jesus. That is salvation. When they heard this, They were then baptized, look, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Not for salvation. They've already been saved. So I talked about this Wednesday night. Baptism in water is not salvation. Don't get it twisted. It is a sign that you have been saved. And it is a sign that you're ready for everything else. It's a step to say, I want everything else. And so some people have only been saved and they've not been water baptized because they're not ready for anything else. They're just not. They're resistant to what God has for them. But that resistance will cause the love of God to grow cold inside of you. And that's why Paul said, well, have you, have, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, man, we've been baptized into repentance and into salvation. We decided to be saved. He said, great, now you need to be water baptized. After salvation, you need to be water baptized. Why? That's weird. Well, no, you've got to wash and then wax. Okay? So the water washes. So they're baptized in the Lord Jesus, verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them after they were baptized, then the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Nobody trained them on that, nobody taught them. Nobody grabbed their jaw and made it move. and Nobody made a stipulation. You have to speak in tongues in order to uh, be a part of this church. Because it's not any of that. It is a natural response to receiving the Holy Spirit. And it's not the only response. And it's not the, I, I know some, some denominations say that it's, it's, the, it's the evidence of having received the Holy Spirit. That's not true. The evidence of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That is the fruit or the evidence of the Spirit. But, but this is a result oftentimes of being filled with the Spirit is that you begin to speak in tongues. And not just once, but that you begin to have this ongoing intimate dialogue with God. And that's what I want for each one of you. I want you to be so close to the heart of the Father that obedience is easier, that forgiveness is easy, that uh, choosing to respond to his call on your life to preach, say, is easy. But the easy comes with the oil. The oil makes this thing easy. The oil removes the self-push and the diligence that you need to muster up inside of you trying to keep the love of God I need to shelter myself from all people that don't love God you know why have you not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit you're not you haven't been insulated you just you just just went straight for isolation you didn't even bother with the insulation of the Holy Spirit That there can be a frigid temperature outside, but the insulation of the Holy Spirit creates such a warmth on the inside. And this intimate relationship with God, it it does come through. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is part of it, and speaking in tongues is part of it. So that you have these these moments with God, not not, not in public and not, not, not always in public, but just in private in your own prayer time. That you close your eyes and you start connecting with the God who is outside of time and outside of space. And you start speaking a language that you don't understand, but that he does and that your spirit does. And sometimes when I'm speaking and praying in tongues, I, I get mental images and pictures of things that I don't get any other way. 
So like even even like just this week, I was in here praying and I was praying in tongues, but it doesn't come as easy as it used to. So honestly, I want a, I want a new baptism personally. I want to be re I want to, I want more. I need more oil. I'm 41 years old. I need another. It's been a while from 14 to 41. You know what I'm saying? Let's flip the, the numbers there. And but as I was doing that, I, was, I had this vision of 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 um, of Lazarus, and Lazarus is he comes out of the tomb, and Jesus says, "Loose him and let him go." So there was resurrection. That was lovely, but resurrection without the undoing. <sighs> of the thing that was there to promote decay. You, you don't actually live. You're just breathing. I feel like many Christians are just breathing. And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. <laughs> that you would level up. Not because Pastor Harry said everybody's got to be at this level. Not because there was any outward stipulation, but because inside of your heart you yearned for intimacy with God that you couldn't find through theology, that you couldn't find through revelation, that you couldn't find through singing worship songs, that you longed for intimacy with God. So, Father, right now, I just pray that you, you're pulling on people's hearts. You're tugging on their hearts. And for some, some people, some of us are afraid because we're, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff in our culture about speaking in tongues that makes it very odd. It makes it very weird. But Lord, I pray that you would remove some of those negative connotations and this negative junk. And actually probably has kept me from preaching about it because I don't want people to think that we're going to get snakes out and be weird. But Lord, I pray that instead of operating out of fear of what we don't want, that we would step into faith of what we do want. We really want you. And nothing else. <laughs> we just want to be filled with you. We want to be closer to your heart, Lord. At the end of the day, we don't even... Revival isn't even our number one goal. Because revival is something you do to others. But my number one heart is something... Heart's desire is something that you would do inside of me. Because the greatest move of the Holy Spirit is not when... Stadiums are filled, but it's when my heart is filled. (laughs) It's worth so much more. The moments that we have shared are worth so much more than the moments that I have shared with other people in rooms and in stadiums and on stages. The the, the momentum and the vibe of of people excited and things is nice, but but the the fire of love inside of me when you speak to me and when you speak through me and when my spirit communes with your spirit, this cannot be replaced by a concert. (laughs) This cannot be replaced by mere energy. We need the a baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if you're open to that, would you just, would you just lift your arms out in an in a, in a act of openness? And, and with any intrepidation that you may have, if you're open to receiving all that God has for you. And this has always been my prayer. Lord, if it's from you, I want it. If it's from the televangelist, I'm not interested. But if it's from you, I want what you have for me because I trust you. I trust your heart for me. And so first off, Lord, I believe that you have more for me than I have experienced. That's important. I believe that there is more. I believe that there is a person called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God manifested on the earth. And I believe that he does come and house himself inside of people. And I believe he does smear on us and he does cover us and he does pour onto our head. And all of our body, he, 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 in, he, he in, in houses us, tabernacles inside. I believe in the Holy Spirit as a person. And I believe that he also can empower my spirit to commune with God's spirit through speaking in a tongue that's unknown to me. Through getting over my intellectualness. Through, through passing on beyond my pride. 
and my desire that people would think well of me and think that I know what I'm doing and, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm competent and all of that stuff. Lord, past all of that, there is this child inside of me that wants to be with my father and wants to know him deeper, wants to fellowship with him closer. And really, and even my intellect can say that, 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 that the Christian life is not all that it's meant to be when it's hard. And I can see deficiencies, and I can see a need within my own self. There, there, are, there are problems in this room that we have not been able to solve with our intellect. There are issues in this room, parenting issues in this room, that we have not been able to solve with our brains. There are marriage issues we haven't been able to solve with counseling. There are uh, addiction issues we haven't been able to solve with therapy. There are things that even in our intellect, we can understand that it's not enough. There must be more than just a hosing down of the word of God. We, we must also have something more permanent applied to our spirits. There must be more than this. If all the stories are true, there must be more than this. So, Lord, we open ourselves up to whatever you have for us. And today, I think, is, is an introduction. I think it's just uh, it's the Holy Spirit testing the water, saying, do you want more? Are you ready for more? Are you open? <laughs> I'm open to you, Lord. We're open to you.